John chapter 21. And this is after Jesus had died on the cross, was crucified, rose again, um, he buried and rose again, and then he uh, had not yet ascended. It was that 40-day period. And right at the end of the book of John, he's meeting with his disciples one more time before he does uh, depart from them. And they're out fishing. Just uh, Peter and John and James and Andrew, they're out there fishing. And they're offshore a little bit. And they can see the shore. And Jesus is on the shore. And then this is what we're going to read right here. Verse 4, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw in for the draw it in for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved—that's how John referred to himself—saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. I'm just going to stop right there. We're going to stop right there halfway through that scripture. It is the Lord. Amen. It is the Lord. And this is the second time we know of in the scriptures where Jesus did that miracle. Early on when, when Peter and, and the disciples, they were following with the Lord. But you know, you follow the Lord and then you have some questions. And you follow the Lord and you have, might have some questions. And doubt creeps in and arises. God would always bring assurance and He always would bring full assurance that this is Christ, this is the One. And earlier in the Gospels, earlier in, in history, when Jesus was with His disciples, He was asked Peter to, to push His boat out a little bit from shore. And He was preaching from the boat to the multitudes on the shore because there were so many people. He, was, he had to get a little space and get offshore on the boat just a little bit. And He turned to Peter and He said, uh, they, they said they fished all night and hadn't caught anything. And I've said many times, I've had a lot of fishing trips like that. They fished all night and didn't catch anything. But Jesus said, now I want you to cast your net. Thrust out a little bit and cast your net. And He says, well, Lord, we fished all night and didn't catch anything, but nevertheless, at Your Word, because You said to do it, I'm going to do it. And He put the net down and we hauled it up. He couldn't haul it up. There were so many fish in it. This was not this instance. This was before. And He beckoned to His partners to come help Him. And they filled both the boats up. With, with fish and the boat began to sink. There were so many fish. And what did it do for Peter? Besides being, you would say, an economic boom for him, okay? He's a fisherman. He's got a lot of fish. He can sell some, eat some. This would have been a, more than, to say the least, a great day of fishing for them. Besides that, what did it do for Peter? He fell to his knees because he had a fresh, fresh revelation of who this man was. He believed in Him. He walked with Him. He heard Him preach. But the Lord brought Him to something deeper. He brought Him to a greater revelation of who Jesus was. He fell to His knees and said, Depart from Me, Lord. I'm an unclean man. But Jesus wasn't saying anything about sin or anything like that. He told Him to let your net down. Catch some fish. But what it did, it showed who God was. It showed who Christ was. More to the man Peter. And knowing who Christ was, he saw Him maybe in a deeper light, in a fresher light, and in so doing, it brought him to a greater place of faith and a greater place of realizing his need for the mercy and grace and forgiveness of God upon his life. And so here we see, right before Jesus ascends, he repeats the same kind of miracle. And what's the response real quickly? They were offshore. They couldn't, maybe they couldn't quite make out who it was. And they did, it says in verse uh, 4, they didn't know it was the Lord. And, but when he said, let your net down, and they did, they obeyed, and they, pulled, they couldn't pull the nets up because there were so many fish. They, and John says, it's the Lord. Peter, it's the Lord. Okay? And this is what we're going to talk about today. This, this simple truth. The last two weeks, what have we talked about? We've talked about another spirit, another gospel, another Jesus. But I want to tell you, in the midst of all that confusion, in the midst of all the deception, and all, all of the uncertainty, Christ is, is Christ and He stands alone as Christ. And there's no confusion about that. He makes it clear. He makes it evident. Who is the real God? We talked about it in Sunday school. Here's uh, the prophets of Baal, 850, and they got their Baal garments on. And the whole country is given over to Baal. And the king and the queen, especially Jezebel, were like were leaders in Baal worship. 
She had them eat at her table, the queen's table. This is a dark time for Israel's history. But God had His man. One man, no uniform, no priestly garments. He, he lived he was similar to John the Baptist. He lived in the wilderness. And he trusted God. He stood before the Lord. And it was at His word there was no rain. And it would be at His word God said there would be rain again. And God says, it's time. Go confront those, those rebels and tell them I'm turning their hearts back to Me. I want them to know that. Okay, so you got 850 prophets of Baal and all the multitude of Israel gathered together. And here's Elijah by himself. He says, why do you halt between two opinions? If Baal is God's servant, if God, Jehovah's God, serve Jehovah. Nobody answered a word. He says, well, here's what we're going to do. You, you prophets of Baal, you offer your sacrifice. Prepare it however you want. Take your time. Put it on the altar. Call upon Baal and see who's going to answer and, and calling for him to answer. And I'm going to prepare my offering on this altar to Jehovah. And the God that answers by fire, let it be God. But we know the story, and I don't have time to do the whole thing. Read about it in First Kings. There was a God that answered by fire. And when it happened, everybody, the multitude that had been worshiping Baal and going to the groves and sneaking out at night, doing all this dark, deep stuff that they thought was so spiritual, when God sent the God the, the fire from heaven, they all fell to their face and said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Okay? He's able to make it clear. I don't care what point of history you pick. From the beginning of creation where God said, let there be and there was, till this day, till the tribulation period, to eternity of eternities, when God wants to make it clear, when there's the least bit of doubt or confusion or uncertainty, He is able to set, the, set it straight. Okay, he's able to set it straight. He's able to do it in our day. And what happened here with these these disciples of the Lord? They knew the Lord. They walked with the Lord. This wasn't even the first time after his resurrection that he had appeared to them. But they were unsure. They didn't know it was the Lord. Like I said, maybe they couldn't see him. God made it sure, made it clear to them. Okay, it's the Lord. Hey Peter, it's the Lord. They were excited. Peter, you know, jumps in the water and starts swimming to get there first to get to the shore to meet with the Lord. And uh, the Word of God tells us in these last days, as we return, uh, getting close to the, the return of the Lord, and that's what we're getting closer, aren't we? To the rapture and then all that follows in the second coming. Um, I'll just quote this from Matthew uh, 24. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. So it's going to be characterized. Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. There are going to be false Christs, false prophets, false gospels, antichrist, the spirit of antichrist, the antichrist that's going to be revealed in the tribulation period. John said, even now there are many antichrists. How are, the, how are men to discern between the, between the true and the false? How are men to tell the difference? Because he can be, antichrist can be very clever very subtle, very crafty. We know it. We're not ignorant of his devices. Um, and remember the word anti means not only opposed to Christ, which he is, but in place of Christ. Like I said, one of those horror movies where somebody, you know, takes over another and or something and like, I thought it was this person that I knew, but it's not. Okay? He, he's, he's in place of Christ as well. Anti means in place of or a substitute for Christ. How are we to discern the true from the false? Christ from Antichrist. Listen, the abundance of deception and the abundance of false and the proliferation, if you want to call it, of false and deceit uh, in the name of Jesus does not at all diminish the truth, does it? Think about it. Multiplied, multiplied, multiplied deception, yet the truth is not diminished by that. The truth is not negated by that. It doesn't cancel it out. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, Christ still, the truth is still the truth. Whether anybody believes it, nobody believes it, or everybody <coughs> believes it. It hasn't changed. The false and the deception, all the attacks of Satan, and all the, the, the aims to deceive people, have, uh, and many are successful, does not at all take away or undercut Truth. Truth remains truth. And we need to know that first of all. It's the waters are not muddy. Unless we, we 
choose to you know, get our eyes off of, a G, off of Jesus. We know the Lord. And so He stands alone. The, the increase of deception doesn't decrease the real. And Jesus Christ is no less Jesus Christ in our day. He's no less Jesus Christ when on the third day when you know, the grave tomb was empty and He had come out in glory. All right? He's no less Jesus today as when He spoke creation to be. He's no less Jesus today as when He's going to be when He comes back on a white horse in great victory and, and puts Satan down. All those armies that are gathered together against Israel on the day of the battle of Armageddon. He, there's great deception. There are seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, the Bible says, but Almighty God is not worried about it. It is what it is. He told us it would be this way. He told us what to do when it's this way. That hasn't changed as, as he, either. He's not confused. He's not decreased. His eternal power, His eternal holiness is no less powerful, no less holy. Okay? Everything is being fulfilled. We have to remember this. Doesn't it bring you comfort to know that? Everything. We say, what in the world's happening in our country? What are these yahoos we're putting in Congress, in, in the U.S. Congress? What are they thinking? Uh, what did our founding forefathers fight and die for to put people like this in office? What's going on? To, to take a step back and say, God said it's going to be this way. Live for God. Bring as many as with, as with you as you can to, to heaven, okay? It's going to be this way. He's no less God. He sits on His throne. And guess what? Every single thing to the, to the letter is being fulfilled exactly like God said it would be, be fulfilled. Nothing's going to be hindered. Nothing's delayed. It's only delayed because God's patient. Not willing that any should perish. That's the only thing holding back. Satan has nothing to do with it. He has nothing to do with it. And he doesn't undercut the truth. He tries to muddy the waters. He tries to confuse it. He tries to receive the worship of men as, he, as though he's God. That's always been his desire since that iniquity was found in him in heaven and that pride. And yet God is still God. He still, still sits on the throne. And I love scriptures that just put it out there. Nevertheless, the foundations of God stand sure. The Lord knows them that are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. He's saying that nevertheless, whatever Paul had talked about in 2 Timothy, the foundations of God stand sure. He, he's got it. His foundations aren't rocked. They're not crumbling and falling apart. Just listen to this. And it's, this is speaking about the end of Christ that's going to come. And then shall that wicked be revealed. 2 Thessalonians 2.8 Whom the Lord shall consume. What's the Lord going to do? The Antichrist, that wicked, capital W, this is the Antichrist, shall be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of His mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of His coming. I only read that to say God's got it under control. It's going to happen this way. It's not going to happen some other way. And I can tell you there's times I'm scared. There's times I have fear coming to my heart because of the moral conditions and the climate the hostility towards Christianity, the deception, people that I never thought would be deceived, that are deceived. I've never seen anything like it. I agree with all of that. And yet the truth is still the truth. Christ is still Christ. He still can bring, bring people out. He still can protect us. He still preserves us. We're still in the Father's hands. And nothing and no one can pluck us from the Father's hands. And so, not, as, not only is God... Still, and this is what we're going to talk about today. Not only is God still fully in control, which He is, but He has also provided for every era, every generation, a witness. That means like a testimony or a record of Himself and of His Son, His Christ. So I'm going to say it again because we talked the last two weeks about you know, the deception and another spirit, another gospel, another Christ. And Paul's concern, that was 2 Corinthians 11, uh, his concern was not that there was going to be these false Christs and false Gospels. That's, Jesus said that. The, the, all the epistles repeat that. What his concern was for his people and the church in Corinth that were born again. He says, I'm concerned you might bear with them. In other words, I'm concerned if a false prophet comes in, you're going to give heed to him. And so he would give them some more instructions, right? Speak to them some more. Christ has given the, the, the Lord has given a testimony or a witness eternally, a record of Himself that can't be uh, 
discounted. It can't be covered up. It can't be lost in the midst of all the confusion. Because when we are confused, God sets it right back on the standard. Hey, the standard's still here. Look over here. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Go to His Word. Start looking at Genesis to Revelation. Let the Holy Ghost lead you and guide you. You're confused. You're not sure. Is this pastor legit? Is this ministry legit? Is this new worship group that's so popular around the whole globe? Are they legit? And we're not sure. God's given a testimony of His Son, of His Christ. And it cuts through all that confusion and uncertainty. We go to the Word of God. I want you to read this with me. We're going to read quite a few Scriptures and some I'm just going to read on my own for time's sake. But turn to Mark chapter 9. Now this, this same account is repeated in two of the other Gospels as well. Mark chapter 9, verse 1. And He said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And I believe what he was talking about was what's getting ready to follow. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. So they're getting to see Jesus literally look different and appear to them differently than he ever had before. And it has to do with his glory that that would be his heavenly glory, I would think. And they're getting to see this. And the Bible records it for us. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller or like bleach on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles or like little memorials. One for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Okay, so here's the deal. We, we see the story. Mount of Transfiguration. We've heard about it. But Jesus takes them. He wants them to see this. He brought them apart. These three for this specific purpose. And while they're talking, all of a sudden, I mean, this would have just blown your, our minds, right? Here's Moses and Elijah. They didn't have to ask who it was. Somehow they knew who they were. And they're talking with Jesus. And one of the other Gospels, this is they were talking about the things concerning Jesus going to the cross, about his death. Okay? And so they're there talking. And Peter is like beside himself and says, Lord, it's so good that we're here. Well, yes, it was good that they were there. Let's build three little memorials on this spot because something special just happened here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Look what the Lord does in verse 6. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. They were not known what to say. Sometimes I'll just be quiet, right? Uh, and there was a cloud that overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And suddenly when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. What are we saying here? Jesus is not Elijah. And Jesus is not Moses. And Jesus is not another great man of God. And Jesus is not one of the prophets. And He's not anything like that. He's not an angel. He's not Michael the archangel. He is the eternal Son. The Son of the living God. The unique, only begotten of the Father. And when there was just the least little bit, I wouldn't call it at all sin on Peter's part or anyone like that. Just the least little bit of, hey, you know, we'll be able to build three tabernacles here. The Lord says, uh-uh. He overshadows them with a the cloud. And he's, the voice from heaven speaks and says, this is my beloved Son. Hear Him. Hear Him. And when they looked around about, Moses and Elijah were gone. They saw no man but Jesus only. That's who we're to see. That's who we're to worship. That's who we're to hear. That's who we're to obey. And just put the others all on equal footing. Every saved man that's ever lived. I know we're to give honor to him, honor to him. And I thank God for Moses and Elijah. Those two men inspire my life greatly. Okay? But Jesus is Jesus. And all the antichrists on the planet can't take that away. And when God wants to set the record straight, He sets it straight. He sets it straight very clearly because He's speaking from heaven. And they heard His voice and they saw Jesus. Amen? 
And so he's able to set it straight. Later, Peter talks about this. You don't have to turn there, but Second Peter chapter 1, we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory. Jesus received in their presence honor from, and, from, and glory from God the Father. When there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Okay? And they said, we heard this voice when we were on the holy mountain with Him. And so God takes it. He makes it straight. And any time, as I said, there's the least little bit of doubt, just a little bit of deep doubt creeping into your own mind, in the church, on the planet, wherever however God needs to do it. Uh, who's to be loved? Who's to be worshipped? Who's to be followed? What's real? What's true? What's false? God is able to set it straight. He can set it straight. And if He doesn't do what He did on the Mount of Transfiguration, He'll send us to His Word, I can promise you, where it lays out His Christ, His Son, his fulfilled scriptures and fulfilled prophecies. Nobody else fulfilled them. You read through the Gospel of Matthew. That's called the, if all the four Gospels serve different purposes, but that one was primarily served as, as the message of Jesus Christ to the Jews because that Gospel particularly had uh, more fulfilled prophecies in Christ's life that He fulfilled in His first coming than the other three Gospels combined. You'd be amazed when you read through Matthew that it may be fulfilled as it was written. That it may be fulfilled as the prophets spoke. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Elijah. And God is able to set it straight. Okay? And to, and Jesus is elevated. And Jesus is glorified. And, and Jesus is lifted up above all. The Bible says, uh, Isaiah said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. We know that scripture in Isaiah chapter 6 where he said, I'm undone and so forth. And and here am I, send me. But just think of the first part. The year that King Uzziah died. Now Isaiah was a godly man before he saw the Lord. Lifted up like he saw Him in glory. His train filled the temple. Okay? And all of the glory, he got to see Him in that way. But, but he was already a godly man that walked with God and served God. But when he saw Him in this way, he had seen King Uzziah. He was a personal friend of King Uzziah's. And I know his heart was sad and broken, and Uzziah, for the most part, had been a pretty one of the better kings of Judah. But he said, the, the king died, but I saw the Lord. I mean, there's just no comparison. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His strength filled the temple. What is he saying? Even in that, he doesn't compare to a king or an earthly king or anything like that. So Jesus said, if you hear somebody say, Lo, here is Christ, or Lo, there is Christ, believe it not. Can I tell you, he's able to testify of his son. I don't need some little secret whispering in my ear to tell me he's in this little huddled group of people over here somewhere. Christ has come back. He's in Mecca, Saudi Arabia. He's over here doing this. You know, he's in wherever. Uh, the, we have the Word of God. I have the Holy Spirit of Almighty God in my life. And you have the same leading us and guiding us. And he is able to make himself known how he wants to make himself known. And. Uh, Look at John chapter 1. As I said, we're going to stay on this theme and, and just talk about God's testimony of His Son Jesus. Now, John the Baptist, when he came, he had absolutely one mission. That was it. He didn't build any churches. He, didn't, he had one mission. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, right? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. He was the herald. You know, the kings of old, they would have a little entourage go before him and somebody blow the trumpets in and some soldiers or whatever and somebody stand, you know, the king's coming, prepare, he's coming to your town, whatever. And they would have a herald that would announce his coming. John the Baptist, after, uh, uh, after 4,000 years of sin from the Garden of Eden of man's sin and the promise of Messiah, John the Baptist, there wasn't a greater among men that, you know, born of women that were prophets. And he had the one job to announce Christ, to testify of Christ. So let's look at John chapter 1, verse 19. We'll kind of skip around and start reading with me there. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? So he's out there baptizing people in the Jordan River. Somehow God, by Spirit, is drawing people to the wilderness. How did they even know to go out there? People were going out to the river 
from neighboring even Samaria and other places around are going out to the wilderness and John is telling them Christ is on His way. And they're about getting baptized in the water. And so the Jews go out there to just check it out. Who are you? This is the record. He confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they ask him, what, what then? Art thou Elijah? And he saith, I am not. Are you one of the, that prophet? That prophet was Jesus, that Messiah. When they would, the Jews would say that prophet without naming him, that's the one Moses spoke of, saying there's coming that prophet who's going to fulfill my will perfectly. And he answered, no. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He saith, I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Skip down to verse 29. The next day, day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is whom... This is... He of whom I said, after me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. John bare record and said, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me, that's the Lord, the Father sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, Upon whom thou see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. There are a lot of places in Scripture. Does that, can that be confused with anybody else? That's speaking of Christ. That's speaking of Jesus, the one born in the manger of Bethlehem to Mary the Virgin and Joseph, who she was engaged to. That's that one. Okay? And there are so many scriptures that tell us that and fill in the blanks for us. Uh, if we're ever confused, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and preach in their cities. And when John had heard, this is John the Baptist, he had been arrested after that, what we just read in chapter 1. And Herod, you know, threw him in prison and eventually would have him beheaded. And when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? So even John, who knew, but it's sometimes, I mean, I, I can't fault the man, okay? Even John, who said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And testified publicly, this is the one I told you about. The one who sent me to baptize told me I would recognize Him by the Spirit of God descending upon Him and abiding on Him. And I testify that this is the Son of God. But now John, since that time, has been thrown into prison. And it's not looking good for John. Okay? And he would be beheaded for the Lord in prison. Some, I don't know if it's doubt that crept in, or if he wanted his disciples to be sure. Either way, the question had to be answered, okay? Because he had men following him that he wanted to follow. I've got to decrease, John said, and he must increase. It's time to move on from me to follow the one that I've been prophesying and proclaiming. But Jesus said unto them, these two of John's disciples, Instead of them, go and show John again those things which you do see, hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whomsoever shall not be offended in me. And so, again, he clears up the picture. He makes it clear. There is no lack of testimony of the Lord in his word. God has given us that record and He wants us to follow after it. In the Word of God, the Lord has described and warned men about Antichrist, right? He's described what He'll be like. We're not ignorant of His devices. His men, you know, He can appear. Satan himself is transformed into a minister of righteousness. There's no wonder if His ministers, those doing His work, can be transformed into angels of light, right? And, and that's what He says. So, the Word of God tells us about the false. The Word of God tells us uh, about the deception of the false teachers. Don't give heed to them. I've told you beforehand. 
But we have the Spirit of God and the Word of God that testifies and keeps us from that. That's what keeps us from it. The Holy Spirit of truth testifies of Christ and bears witness of the Lord. I know you know these things. And the Word of God testifies of Christ. Haven't I told you these things before? The, uh, Jesus said to his disciples and, and Peter said to his followers and, and Paul to his followers. We have the miracles of God. We have the word of God. We have the words of Jesus himself. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Father. All bearing witness of Christ. Testifying of the real and of the true truth. And so as we get closer to the return of the Lord, it's more and more important for y'all. It's important in every age, but we're living in an age that Peter didn't. I mean, let's be honest. God chose for him and John the Baptist to live then. Then and he's chosen for you and me as believers and our children and families to live in this day and whatever days follow that he allows us to live. And the days we live, live in, there's going to be more deception and increasingly more deception. It's just exponential. You know, it's just growing. There's always been deception. In the Garden of Eden, there was deception from the enemy. But it characterizes our day. But we're not to live in fear of that at all. Amen? Don't give heed to it as we trust and submit to the Lord. I'm just talking about a real genuine humility submitting to God. I can't do that for you and you can't do it for me. You know if you're submitting to God. Are you going to rise up and still be mean to your wife anyway just because you feel like it and you know better but you're not really submitting to God. I'm talking about humbling ourselves before God, submitting to the Lord in every area of life and, and He's able to keep us from falling. He keeps us from all of the falls. It can be magnified a thousandfold around us and people falling left and right and yet God's able to keep us from that. As we humble ourselves before the Lord. The truth as it is in Christ Jesus. He's able to keep His people washed in His blood. Born of His Spirit. And He instructs us in His Word to if we walk in the light as He in the light, as He is in the light. There are many scriptures like this, right? He's telling us what to do. I can't be careless and lax in my Christianity and just say, well, God's going to protect me from deception. He is going to protect you from deception. But He told you what to do about it. That'd be like sitting around the house and, and you know, and the eaves are getting rotten and water's coming in the roof and the grass is up to your over your head. And say, well, you know, God's going to take care of everything. Well, He's given me the ability to get out there and cut the grass. Okay? He's given me the ability to you know, to fix the eaves or, or whatever it may be. We don't just say, well, it's all, all God. It is all God, but He's told me what to do. Spiritually, He's told His people what to do. Stay on your face before God. Live in the altar. Not just this altar, but in a private altar in your life. Uh, stay in the Word of God. Don't give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of the devil. Don't entertain it. Think you're the, you're the one exception to the rule. You can take a little bit of this false or questionable ministry or minister or book or doctrine. I can take a little bit. I'll, I'll swallow the good and spit out the bad. Don't think that you're the exception to the rule. Just do what God tells you to do. We abstain from that. We, we run from it. We flee from idolatry. We're to flee temptation. We're to not give heed to it at all. How else are the believers to walk? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that's set before us. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine. We're in this excess, but be filled with the Spirit. These are things God's commanding. They're not suggestions. He's able to keep us, but He's telling us how to be kept. We're kept by faith. If I'm in the faith, I'm going to be walking in the light of God's Word. I'm going to be walking in obedience to the things that Christ has told me to do. Okay? And, and so we can't be careless or lax uh, with our faith. Didn't Hebrews say that some let it slip? They let it slip. Uh, and, and then pretty soon it, uh, you know, it's passed them by, so to speak. And, and they've given, they start giving heed to things. That aren't, that aren't of God. And I'm just going to read this. Here's two more things we're to do in these last days. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Remember last week I said people in the church, not every church, 
And not every believer, okay? But in the church world that ridicule sound doctrine. They ridicule the fighting for doctrine. My doctrine is bigger. My doctrine is just grace. My doctrine is just Jesus. Um, my do doctrine is bigger than all that. There's ecumenical movements all over this planet. And it's not just like a Baptist and a Methodist trying to get together. It's a Baptist and a Methodist and a Catholic and a Hindu and a Buddhist and a Muslim and a you know, Native American witch doctor all getting together on the same platform and saying, uh, you know, we believe in love and we believe in God. Well, Eric sent me a little uh, video that the, obviously like the, uh, the Vatican's put out something sharp looking little video of uh, just about a two minute video about the Pope, this new Pope recently, it's very recent, this has been put out and, and it shows like a, a Catholic of course and then, then a Muslim and then a, obviously a Buddhist, you know, stand, uh, real people that are like a Buddhist minister or a monk or something and saying, well, I believe in love. And then the, then the Catholic says, I believe in love. And then the Orthodox Christian says, I believe in love. And then I believe in, in God. And we all believe in God. And it's, the, the, the picture is that we're all one, big happy. This is what we can, we have more that, you hear, you hear this? We have more that unites us than divides us. Well, I don't care. You know, this is only one thing that we need to be united on. Whom say men that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah or one of the prophets. Okay, Peter and John and the twelve of you disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. And I'm going to say on this, upon this rock I'm going to build my church, that profession, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against that church, that profession. It does matter. Don't give me this. There's more that unites us than divides us. Yeah, we all have red blood cells and, you know, we all love to be loved and all that kind of stuff. Um, the, the point is, Jesus is Jesus and God the Father has given testimony and record of His Son. There's not another Jesus. There are other Jesuses. There's not another real Jesus. There's not another Jesus who can save from sin, who came from the right hand of the Father, has returned to the right hand of the Father, and is coming back again for His people and will be worshipped in the, in the a tab tabernacle of God will be with men and, the, and Christ will be all in all and fill all, all in all. And those that are redeemed will be with Him forever. And those that never came to Christ will be separated uh, from Him forever and ever in a lake of fire. There's not another one of those. There's one of those. Okay? And so people need to know. And the people that are making that video need to know. Not so I can say, well, I told you so. So they need to know so they can be born again. But everybody's going along with it. Not everybody, but you know what I'm saying. That's popular. This ecumenical uh, movement. And that's nothing new as well. But I'll bring it everybody together under one big happy thing. Uh, it's not happy because it's not of the Lord. Satan and Antichrist will attempt to replicate, replicate many of the things of Jesus. He'll speak words that are kind and loving. We need to be tolerant, right? Tolerant. And, and what he slips in there is you need to be tolerant of sin. He wouldn't use that word, but this person is committing something that the Word of God says don't. And Satan says, and through a politician, through a professor on a campus, through a movie, through a, a channel on TV, through the TV shows, through the songs, we need to be tolerant, loving, and accepting of them. Well, we do need to love them, but see, something got out of whack there. We speak the truth in love to them. We don't just embrace them and say, we're really just the same. We're not the same. And I was lost like you were one time. Can I tell about a God that loves you and sent His Son Jesus to die for you? And so Satan wants to replicate through false signs and wonders, through his words, through appearing to be an angel of light and a minister of light and a minister of righteousness and, and deceive men into worshiping Him to thinking that He is the Christ. We don't have to live in fear of that. I want to read this, this illustration I read about. Um, there were these men whose job... And they lived on the coast of Cornwall. This is southwest England. I don't actually know what era this was in. But when, when England was under threat of attack from enemy ships, one of the, their plans 
when they knew they were about and going to be trying to come up around their coastline to get in on this Pacific coast, they had some uh, the men that they would hire to, to get on these cliffs that were right on the coastline. And they would ride donkeys. And to the donkey's head, they would tie lanterns. So at nighttime, uh, ships are coming around, maybe enemy ships, and they're seeing these lights. And, and they thought it was lights that was marking a safe passage where the boats could come into the channel because they had such lights, all right? But these men were hired to have, ride on donkeys. Can you just picture it? Up and down all night on the coastline, on the cliffs, and these enemy ships would come in thinking, oh, that's the place to, to get in. And they would smash on the rocks. The next day, the British would go and clean up the debris, you know, because they were getting wrecked. They were called wreckers. These men that were hired by, by England to do that, they were deceived, okay? They were deceived in thinking this is safe. This is safe passage. And yet it was all a scam. And it was a deadly scam. Okay? We, and I need to know that the Lord has given a testimony of His Son. We don't have to fall for such things like that. I'm not talking about a ship. I'm talking about making shipwreck of your faith like the Bible talks about. We don't have to fall into any of that. Uh, this is my beloved son. Hear him when he says, in whom I'm well pleased. That means to approve of. God the Father has approved of his son, Jesus. And I want to read just quickly from Matthew 12, uh, 17 and 18. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. It was another confirmation, y'all. It was another confirmation. We don't have to live in fear. God wants me to tell us this and myself this this morning. Don't live. I'll tell you before, he says, don't be afraid of them, which can kill the body, but not the spirit. What I tell you in, in you know, in darkness you proclaim it in the light. There's nothing hidden that won't be revealed. What I've told you uh, in, inside, you proclaim it from the rooftops. I tell you who to fear. Fear him who's able to destroy both body and soul in hell. So what am I saying? There's deception. We can curl up in a little ball and be scared of our own shadow. But the Bible doesn't tell us to live that way. We're to live with a boldness. We're to live in the Word of God. We're to live by faith in the living God because He's still alive. He's living. Amen. And He lives in us. Look at this in John. 1 John. We'll be bringing this to a close. 1 John chapter 2. Many people say that the, the epistle of 1 John was written, written to combat the, I guess, the infiltration or the influence of the Gnostics that were in John's day. Whether or not it was written for that specific purpose or not, I know it was written for me. Amen. And it's written in my, for me in my day. Look at what John says in verse, 1 John 2, 20 and 21. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know the truth, and that no lie is of the truth. So what is he saying? You have an unction. That means an, uh, like an endowment from the Lord. You have a an endowment from the Holy Spirit. That's what that is. And a gifting. Okay? Every believer has it. And in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive the fullness of that. So every believer is not to live in fear that I just don't know what's true and what's false. We have the gifting of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us here. And you know all things. Now when He says all things, it doesn't mean we have perfect, full knowledge of every spiritual thing. He doesn't say that. But what he is saying is that every believer has the capacity to, in the spiritual faculty, so to speak, to know the truth and to walk in the truth. Are we going to grow in that? Are, are our faculties uh, going to grow and get sharper? Is our discernment going to get sharper as we walk with God? Is our discernment going to get sharper as we study the Word of God to show ourselves approved? Absolutely. But every believer, that God you just prayed with to get saved, on the streets last night, can be protected, has the ability and the discernment to know what's of God and what's not of God. They'll grow in that, okay? But it's just like a natural child. When a child is born, a human being, 
they have all the faculties of sight and hearing and you know taste and smell and things like that will, will they develop more in those absolutely they will they get sharper and keener and, and you know mental capacity and all that will grow but they have it and I think that's what he says you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things but that doesn't mean perfect knowledge but they have we have what we need to be to determine truth from error truth from false what's of God what's not of God amen and, and we'll grow in that as believers. God has wonderfully equipped us, y'all. And I'm, again, I'll be closing with this. He's wonderfully equipped as, as children of God to know the truth and to walk in the truth. The youngest children up here, taking notes on the front. God has equipped them with what they need. The oldest saint. He's equipped us. We're to walk in that. Amen? We're to walk in that. I just want to read a couple of scriptures. And we'll turn to a couple and read them together. But this is from John 15. When the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. And then there's another scripture there, John 5:32. There is another that bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he testified, witnesses of me, is true. But I have a greater witness than that of John. For the works that the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And so God is, there's that testimony I said all through the Bible, all through the Word of God. There's that testimony of Christ. There's the testimony that this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. There's the testimony where where Peter turns, I mean, John turns to Peter and says, it's the Lord, like we opened up with this morning. It's the Lord. And this is a silly example, and I even wondered if people would get it. If, if anybody's ever done much hunting in their life, uh, just go with me on this, okay? Uh, I grew up doing a lot of hunting, a lot of duck hunting in the marsh and places, and a lot of dove hunting, stuff like that. And I remember when I was little, I was kind of like, first I'm just starting to recognize, you know, what does it look like when a duck flies by as opposed to a buzzer? You know what I mean? What am I looking at here? You get to recognize this is what we're hunting, okay? And so, uh, same for doves. And I'm, I always thought this was interesting. I remember, because it would be real embarrassing if I say, Dad, there's one, you know, pull up your, your gun, and it was a, a whooping or something, you know, you're about to shoot an endangered bird. So I wouldn't want to do that. So I wouldn't want to mark the wrong bird coming by. But I know this, and I'm hoping this will make sense to y'all. I oftentimes mistake another bird for a duck or a dove, but I never mistook a dove for another bird. Or a duck for another bird. I don't know if that makes sense. I might think, oh, I think it's a, no, it's not one. But when a real one came by, I always knew it was a real one. Does that make sense? I would mistake another bird for something I was hunting. But I never mistook what I was hunting for something else and let it go by. I might have missed it, which I probably did. But I never mistook it for something else. What am I saying? The real is the real. Okay? That's what I'm saying by that example. There might be something, maybe this has gotten, no, it's not God. Real quickly we see it. That's not of the Lord. I thought maybe for a second, that, you know, and all that's just put to, put to bed, so to speak, real quickly. I think this may move of God, no, that's not God over there. This is God, okay? And so it's put to bed, but when the Lord shows himself as the Lord, you know it's the Lord. When he steps on the scene and saves an alcoholic, or saves those men in the Genesis life ministry, like 12 or 15 or 20 coming forward to give their lives to Jesus, just through the simple preaching of the gospel and nothing else, you say, this is God. This is God doing this. We're not confused when God is God. Okay, so we need to stay in His presence. And I'm just going to close with this, this passage. You know that when, when Jesus was uh, on the resurrection morning with His disciples... And they didn't know it was him. He's walking with two of his disciples on the Emmaus Road. And they didn't even realize, for some reason, it says their eyes were withholding. This is the resurrection morning. Their eyes were withholding. They didn't know that it was Jesus that they were communing with down the highway. 
And they were, they were sad. And Jesus says, why are you so sad? What are you talking about? Were you new around here, buddy? You didn't hear? Jesus, this man mighty and, and works and, and deeds. And, and we thought for sure He was the Christ. We had hoped that He would be the Savior of Israel. And you get the feeling that the hope had passed. That now they were discouraged. They were maybe hopeless and in despair. God will never leave somebody like that. He did not leave them in hopeless and despair. They were doubting. We thought He was going to be the Savior. Now we're just not sure. We don't know what to think. We saw Him do unbelievable things. He fulfilled all the prophecies. He went to the cross and died. And now we just don't know what to think. Some of the women said He's risen from the dead. But we haven't seen Him ourselves. But He's right there with them. Okay? Walking. And they get to the place and He acts like He's going to keep traveling. They say, would you stay here? Won't you hang out? It's late in the day. And it says they broke bread. And when he broke bread to, to eat together, he was taken up and translated from their presence instantly. And then they looked and it says, it came to pass as he sat with me them, with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave to them. And their eyes were open and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. They said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while we talked, while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures. God gives that burning. He gives that knowing. The breaking of the bread and fellowship with God. And, and the Lord opened their eyes. And they knew it was Him. They didn't think that was somebody else after that. It's like that duck. Okay? I thought it was a duck, but it wasn't a duck. When a real duck came, that's a duck. Start shooting. Okay? And when the Lord revealed Himself, there was no more confusion. When they hear such as vo this voice out of glory saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, hear him. When that happened with John the Baptist, when the spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove, the Bible says there are three that bear witness and, and the father and the, the word and the spirit of God and, the, and the, the blood bear witness of Christ. There's a witness for the Lord and a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to know that and walk in that. Amen. Y'all stand with me this morning as we go to the altar that would you just come in and just rejoice in the Lord. Get hold of the Lord at this altar and thank Him. Anything that you feel uh, the least bit confused about, wondering if it's God or not God, wondering if this is the Lord, should I follow after this or not follow after this? You open the Bible. That's the breaking of the bread. And remember, Jesus expounded the Scriptures to them as they walked all day long on the highway and their heart was burning in them because it was a witness of the Holy Ghost testifying to the truth of those Scriptures in their hearts. And so these altars are open. We're just going to pray. You come and just thank the Lord for the testimony that God has given of His Son. We don't live in fear. Don't you for one second live in fear that you're going to be deceived. But I'll say for for the rest of your life and my life, walk in obedience to what God's called us to. That's the safety. That's the protection that He's given us. Amen? So Father, we come before You in Jesus' name. And God, I want to thank You that, that You've made it clear. You're not confused. You're not uncertain. You're not unsure. And You make it sure to Your people. Somehow, as weak and pathetic as we are, You're able to, to, to clear the fog away. And to present Christ and Him crucified and Him risen. You're able to present Him, the true Son of the living God, to your people. In every generation, in every era, you're able to testify of Christ and say, this is my beloved Son. Hear Him. Help us to hear Your words and to walk in Your way. Help us to be a light to those around us that are, are in darkness or that are believers that are deceived or on their way to deception. Use us, God. To bear witness of the light like you used John the Baptist to bear witness to the light, God. Use us, God. Let's be a spirit-filled people. Let's be a happy and a joyful people and a holy people separated unto you, God. Let us be a people of faith that walk in great confidence in our God and our, in our God's ability to keep us in all of our ways, God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.